0: Father God, we thank you, and we give you praise. We give you glory, Lord. We thank you in all things. James Merritt was teaching this morning, Lord, and he said that we are to give you praise, and we are to give you thanks in all things. And so we do that this morning, Lord. Even when we don't feel good, even when things aren't right, Lord, and it looks like the world has turned upside down on us, we still give you thanks, and we still give you glory. For the joy of the Lord is our strength, and the only strength that we have is you, Father, and we give you praise for that. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to start out this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'm going to start with verse 1. I don't know how long I'm going to preach this morning. I know some of you are hoping that I don't preach too long. And then some of you are saying, preach all day. No, there's not none of in here that are going to say that. Okay. All right, here we go. Is there anybody here that wants me to preach all day? Well, thank you, Marie. Amen. <laughs> my, You know, an evangelist comes to my dad's church and he said, uh, how long do I have to preach? And Dad said, you can preach all night if you want to, but we're going home at 9 o'clock. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, so here we got First Corinthians, and I'm just going to go verse by verse. And, uh, hey, would you put up the first 10 verses, and I'll read those, and then we're going to expound on them if we can. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech... Or of wisdom declaring unto you the, te- or of wisdom declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not with wisdom of this world, nor of the prince of this world that comes to naught. Now watch this. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory which none of the prince of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now watch verse 10. But God hath revealed them to us, unto us By His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. That's Paul's writings to the Corinthians. This Corinthian church is in a mess. It's got the gifts all out of order. There's sin in the church, and nobody wants to do anything about the sin. You know, we, we say, well, we're not to judge. Listen, we're not to illegally judge, but there's some righteous judgment. And the righteous judgment is this and we shall know them by the fruit they bear. That's righteous judgment. And Paul says this, he's going to say to the Corinthians, he says, why are you taking uh, lawsuits to civil court? He said, isn't there anyone in here who can judge the matter? Do you not know that you will judge angels? So, and then he also says to the Corinthians, why do you act like mere men? which he's actually saying to them, you're not mere men, you're full of Jesus, you're full of the Holy Spirit, you shouldn't be operating this way. They was allowing sin to be prevalent in the church, and they wasn't saying anything about it. And so the church has lost its power. The church itself uh, is not walking the way God wants the church to walk. And Paul says, now when I come to you, he says, I'm going to be very stern. He said, I'm going to be very strict. And I think the Apostle Paul was probably a stern and strict person and so we see this now if we go and read the second book of Corinthians we find out that they did everything that he asked them to do and we find out that they conquered the sin and they went through there and they cleaned the church up because they read his first epistle and they said this is who we are and we have to look at that and we have to see what manner of people we are now look what he says in verse one he said he says this and when I came to you, brother, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, you know what, you can say a lot of things, and you can have much wisdom as far as man is concerned and not do a thing for the Lord. And, and we do that many times. I, I watch TV and I'm going to tell you what scares me. And, and it really does. It, it puts a fear in my heart about when, when men stand and they'll preach about salvation, but then they tear down the power. And I don't understand that. Because the power of God is dunam's power, and that's the baptism of his Holy Spirit, the power of God, dunam's power that's at work inside of us. And so what Paul's saying here, Paul's saying, look, look, you can come with me to, with enticing words, and you can speak with all the wisdom that you want to speak with. But if the power of God's not in your church, you're in trouble. If people come to the church and they can't be fed the Word of God, or they can't find healing, or they can't find deliverance, and if things like that are not operating in the church, then what's the point? What's the point in going to church? There are, you know, you know I, Joel Osteen has, has a lot of people that follow him. And, and no, I'm not a Joel Osteen person, okay? I, I'm just not. And, but, but he's got his, his, his ministry that he preaches. And I might not agree with all of his ministry. But he's not, I'm not going to stand in judgment for him. Do you understand that? I'm not going to stand in judgment for him. He's going to stand in judgment for what he's saying to his people. Well, I'm going to stand in judgment for what I'm saying to you. I'm going to do that. We can can start looking at different things, but here's what I'm going to preach to you today. God is power. And Paul says this. He says, now, when I come to you, he said, I don't really care about what I hear from you because men can say enticing words. And they can speak good sermons, but is the power of God and the Spirit of God being demonstrated in your, in your body, in your church? Now, yesterday at men's breakfast, uh, uh, Henry spoke. It was a very, very good word. It really was. Uh, he was speaking it out of his heart, but he was also using the Word of God to identify what he was talking about. It was very, very good. And and I think that we all said amen, isn't that right, Pastor Bill? I think that we all said amen. And no more did I get out of there till God starts making me confront that word that that he started, that he preached in my life. And so was was generosity going to come out of me? Was the hospitality of the Lord going to come out of me? When I run into different people. And it's amazing that when the the scriptures are in your heart and in your mind, it's amazing how many times God's going to bring people to you so that he can manifest that scripture in you. For them also, but mainly for you. That's an amazing thing. So there was different occasions for ministry yesterday that we had and we, we, we obliged those ministries and, and we did that. And I realized something, that it was more for me than probably was for them. And so we're, we're at Warsaw and we're walking along the river. My wife and I, we like to go to Warsaw and we like to eat down there and we like to just walk on that river. It's a beautiful thing. When this guy comes, he, he's tooting his horn and I look behind me and there's this, this young man I'm going to guess in his 30s and you can tell that he's homeless and he's riding a bicycle and down and behind him he's got a little cart with all his earthly possessions in that cart and he goes and he stops and he, uh, he's, he's, he's taking a rest in the shade under the tree and, and so I'm walking with my wife and the Lord said, now what are you going to do? Now what are you going to do? Well, now, now if I hadn't heard that word, I might have walked past that kid. I'm just going to be honest with you. But then all of a sudden, the word of God came to me. And I realized at that time, that guy was there for a purpose, but not... And, and I blessed him because the Lord told me to bless him. And no, he wasn't a Christian. He was a pretty ungodly person. He was grateful. But you could see that he wasn't a Christian, Okay. But, but I realized that God put that young man there for me so that I could operate in the power and demonstrate to him who Christ is. So I prayed with the young man, and I ministered to the young man, and he received the ministry. But here's, here's, what, I'm talking, here's what I'm talking about. If I hadn't have touched his physical self, then I would have never been able to touch his spiritual self. And, and, and what God wanted to do was touch his spiritual side. And so in order to touch his spiritual side, had to touch him physically first, okay? And, and it was an amazing thing. Now, now, Paul's saying something. He says, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And you say, well, that's what we preach. We preach the cross. Listen to me. There's a lot that goes with the cross, There's more than just Jesus on the cross. And there's more than just the resurrection of the cross. Understand something, that that the Catholics still have him on the cross. He's not on the cross no more. The crucifixion is over, and he died and was placed in a tomb, and he went into the lower parts of the earth, and on the third day he arose from the dead. And when he rose from the dead, the cross now represents a lot. And you know what it represents? It represents redemption. It represents that men can come to the Lord and there they can be saved. And when they're saved, listen to this, the same faith will heal them and the same faith will deliver them and the same faith will raise them up from the dead. And when a man gives his heart to the Lord, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And why is that? Because God took that man, and he killed that man, and then he raised that man up in himself brand new. And here's what he told that man. That man was me, that man was you. He said, I'll not only save you, but I will heal you, I will redeem you, and I will deliver you when you need deliverance. It's an amazing thing that Paul says this, here's what I am determined to know, and that determined means this, I have made up my mind. And I think that's where we get into a lot of problems. Is your mind made up where you stand with the Lord? My mind's made up. My mind is made up. I am telling you, those who love the Lord and are being led by His Spirit, their minds are made up. My mind's made up. Now, now, I'm not going to tell you that I'm, I'm, I'm not a perfect man. You ask anybody here. Every single person can say, I can tell you 100% that he's not a perfect man. But I am telling you, as far as God is concerned, I am a perfect man. Isn't that amazing what Paul said? Do you know Paul persecuted the church? He put people in jail, and and many people died at his hand. He didn't personally kill them, but he was the witness to make sure that they was dead. Do you understand what the witness was? When they stoned somebody... And when he was dead, the witness would go over there and say, yes, he's dead. And if he wasn't dead, then the witness would hit him in the head with the big rock and kill him. That's what Paul was. Paul was the witness. And so Paul seen many people put in bondage, put in prison. He seen many people killed for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that was before he came to the Lord, yet after he came to the Lord, he said, I walk in the perfection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I am pure in his sight. Now, isn't that an amazing thing? You know why? Because he was talking about the new Paul, not the old Paul. He was talking about the new Paul, not the old Saul. And what he was talking about is when Jesus came into his life, and Jesus moved in him like he moved in him, he said, I am now determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And when you look at that, you think, well, it's just the cross. No, Jesus Christ and him crucified is redemption, it, it, salvation, it's salvation, redemption, healing, and deliverance, and resurrection. And he said, I've made my mind up to know nothing among you but this. And that's all I'm going to do. And listen, he devoted the rest of his life preaching the gospel. And you know what? He was a successful man in the Lord. How many of you know that? Other than Jesus Christ, Paul the Apostle is probably the greatest man in the New Testament. Paul's writings. Paul has written 80% of the New Testament. He is, almost all the books there are his. 1st and 2nd Corinthians are his. 1st and 2nd Thessalonians are his. 1st and 2nd Timothy are his. Uh, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians. Uh, and Philippians, they're his. Hebrews is probably his. You can go through there. He he wrote it. Romans is his. I mean, you look through that. It, it and then when you look in the Book of Acts, it's all about him mainly. After you get through the the first ten chapters of of Acts, then then you're talking about Paul the apostle. is a great man. He was a great man, and he was probably the greatest man on planet Earth besides Jesus Christ Himself. And would you all agree with me that? Isn't that amazing that he died by himself in prison? I'm telling you right now, if they put me in prison and they bring accusation against me, you're going to believe it. They'll seize our property. The Bible says they'll seize our property and they'll lay false witness against us. And they'll do all of those different things. And they laid false witness against Paul and most of the people in the church believe that. His credentials as an apostle was always being challenged. They always were. And even the apostles themselves said, well, he's not really an apostle. He didn't walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, he was an apostle. And he said he was the apostle born out of due season. And here's, here's my deal. And, and I don't get too many preachers that agree with me on this, but when when they when they rolled the dice or they threw the stones, to find the twelfth apostle, if they let God put put the the twelfth one in, that would have been Paul, and that's why Paul said, "I am an apostle out of due season," because he said, "I'm out of season" because they didn't bring him in. And yet, and yet, when you see how he ended up, he didn't end up like we we uh, think he ought to end up with fifty thousand people following him and a mega church and all. The, nope, he was in the dungeon and he was beheaded. You know why? Because listen to what he said. For I am determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what he was determined to do. Look at verse 3. Here we go. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. He, He had sicknesses in his life. His eyes weren't good. He had malaria. There was a lot of things that was going on with Paul. He, spiritually and physically, there was a lot of things that was going on with him. He said, I was, and I I like verse 3 because I think it's very interesting. When he said, and I was with you in weakness, spiritually and physically, in fear, fear of God, but also in certain fears, and in much trembling. Listen, he's the man that said, when you plan your salvation plan, it how? With fear and much trembling. When we we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, we ought to stand before Him with fear and tremble. I am telling you, you say you love Jesus, right? And I love the Lord, but I'm going to tell you, if if God just exposed Himself right here, right now, you're not going to be sitting there. Where do you think you're going to be? I think you're probably going to be on the floor with your face buried as far in the carpet as you can get it. When Paul when John the Revelator is gone up into heaven, it was an amazing thing. He, he bowed before an angel, he stood in so much trembling he didn 't know what to do, and that wasn 't God himself i 'm going to tell you if the, if the glory of the Lord came in here, and we said, "Man, the glory of the Lord was in the church today, no, it 's not the anointings here." And it's weighty, and we feel the anointing. But if the glory cloud of the Lord came into this church, I guarantee you it'd either run out of the door, scared half to death, or you'd be on your face as low as you could get. Let me ask you something about this man. This man, for 14 years, was taught by the Holy Spirit. 14 years. He saw Him. He saw Jesus. Paul the Apostle talked to him. Jesus would come and talk to Paul. Read it in the Book of Acts. Read it. I mean, when 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 we see the uh, the uh, when we see Paul uh, on the Damascus Road. And we get a picture of uh, uh, Saul, Saul, why do thou persecute me? You don't get the whole picture until he's before Agrippa. And then you get the whole picture of what Jesus said to him when he's before Agrippa. Man, he goes into detail. And then when, when Paul's life is threatened, Jesus comes to him and says, you need to get up here, get out of here. It's an amazing thing. This man knew Jesus. And let me tell you something. This man was taught by the Lord. This man physically saw him. This man was physically taught by him, and listen to what he did. He said this. He said, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. I, I don't know that he ever got used to being around Jesus, you know, but I know that God touched his body, his soul, and his spirit, and I know that God touched him physically and mentally and spiritually, and, you know, he might have been very, very comfortable around Jesus. I don't know how I'd be. I don't know how I'd be. If Jesus came in here right now and stood before me, I'd probably say, you need to take over. And I'd probably sit down. Isn't that right? I don't know how I'd be. Here's here's what Paul said. He said, I know nothing except this, Christ and Him crucified. And that sounds really elementary, but when you get into it, it's really something because it, it encases so many things. And then in verse four, and he says, And my message, my preaching were not in persuasive words. His message was the cross, his preaching and his teaching was Romans ten. Hey, Deb, would you bring up Romans ten fifteen through seventeen? I think I give it to her. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's an amazing thing. Paul, Paul said, I didn't come to you preaching persuasive words He said, my message, that's what I'm sending out to you today, and my preaching, that's what he was teaching them. He said, now look what he says in verse 4. And my message and my preaching were not in pervasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Listen, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. Everybody say amen to that. So if you're saved, you're a preacher. You might not be a pastor, but you're a preacher because you are talking to people about the Lord Jesus Christ and how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel, which means every single one of us are preachers. Everyone who is in the New Testament church is a preacher. But do we walk in power and demonstration or do we walk in per- persuasive words many of us like to think that we're theologians and many of us like to think that we know the bible front backward and forward and backward and we don't by the way but that's what we want people to think listen to me paul wasn't worried about that in the first chapter of the book of corinthians he says some are of apollos some are of me some are of jesus christ he said i don't care he said as long as the word of god is being preached let it be preached and what is that? The preaching of the word is the cross. And when you preach about the cross, you're preaching about salvation. And you're not you're preaching salvation to those who are lost. And need to come to repentance. But you're also preaching to those who have cancer and need to be healed. And you're preaching to those who have diabetes and need to be healed. And you're preaching to those who have mental disorder and have to be delivered. You are preaching to those who are about to commit suicide. Allowing them to know that God's given them a new life. And there is a resurrection for them in in the spiritual that God wants to do before they pass away. He wants to bring them into the newness of Christ. Listen to what he said. He said, I don't know anything but Christ and Him crucified. Praise the name of the Lord. He said, when I come to you, I want to see your power. He said, I'm not going to... Was he persuasive? Man, here's what Peter says about Paul. You ever, you ever read about what Peter said about Paul? He said, man, his stuff's heady. That man, it's deep. I mean, you, 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 when I taught the book of Ephesians to my t- Tuesday night Bible study, it took me four years, and we didn't get it all. Ephesians, man, what a book in Christ. Col- Colossians, what a book in Christ. To the Philippians, wow, what a book. And then you take the book of Galatians that teaches us that we're not governed by the law; we're justified by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What a man! And what what? A, but he said, "Listen." He said, "I didn't come to you with per, per, persuasive words. I'm not coming to you with the wisdom of men. I'm coming to you in the power of the Holy Spirit." It's an amazing thing to me when he looked at those Corinthians. He looked at Hosanna, and he said. Do you understand that you're not mere man? He says, why do you operate like mere men? You know what a mere man is? A mere man is one that goes along every day and does the same thing over and over and over again and usually operates out of his flesh, usually operates out of his carnality. Even though he might say he's a born-again Christian, he just goes on. He's just a mere man. What's that? Breathes and eats and does everything that he does. That's a mere man. But Paul says this to them, he said, Do you not know that you're not mere men? So why do you act like a mere man? Because don't you understand Christ is in you, the hope of glory? And as Christ is in you, then He put His power inside of you. He put Himself inside of you. Do you not understand, not only did He put Himself inside of you, but He baptized you with Himself? It's an amazing thing. He said, do you understand that you're operating like mere men, but you're not mere men? And what's interesting is when we stand before the Lord on that judgment day, he's going to say, why did you operate as a mere man when I give you all the things so you didn't have to? And he said, listen, he said, when I came preaching to you, he said, I did not come with pers- per- persuasive words. He said, but I came to you with a message. And the message that I came to you is the cross. And the preaching that I came to you was the power of the cross. See, I'm preaching this morning. I'm not teaching, I'm preaching to you. And I'm trying to give you a message this morning. On Tuesday nights I teach, and on Wednesday nights I teach, and I teach any other time that I'm able to, but on Sunday mornings we preach. And why do we preach? Because there might be somebody in this church that's lost and needs to know Christ as their personal Savior. You can't just say, hey, if I say, ask you who's all saved, you're all going to say, yes, you are. And if I say, stand up if you're saved, you're all going to stand up. I already know that. But you might not have the relationship that you want with the Lord Jesus Christ. So what am I going to do for you today? I'm going to preach to you. And what I'm going to preach to you is the message of the cross. And why am I going to preach you the message of the cross? Because Paul said to the Romans, he said, how beautiful are those who who preach the gospel. How How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel. Now, I don't know what's going to happen to that young man. He might have been an angel. I don't know that we and then the the, the waitresses that we we preach to, I don't know what's going to happen to them, but at least they've heard the message. At least they know that the message is there, and hopefully that it did something for them. You're going to leave here today, and you're going to be the voice of the Lord, you're going to be the hands of Christ, you're going to be the feet of the Lord, and what are you going to do? Are you going to act as a mere man, or are you going to operate in the power of God's Holy Spirit? And and it's an amazing thing. You're going to preach the gospel. If you preach the gospel, you're going to let men know that God can bring them out of anything that they're into. But he said, I came to you in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. And that power right there is the dunamis power. And that spirit right there is the Holy Spirit. Now, I like verse 5, and I'm going to read verse 5 to you. That your faith should not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Where's my faith rest? Where's it going to rest? Everybody has a rest, but my faith doesn't rest or my faith is not right there. My faith rests or sits on the power of God to understand that God can meet your need. That God can meet my need. How many of you believe, don't raise your hands, how many of you believe that God can meet your need? Or how many of you suffer with anxiety hoping that He can meet your need? hoping but listen the power of God will meet your need you know good people die understand that bad bad things happen to good people all time and they're going to happen to you too why is that because Paul teaches us that the rain falls on the just and the unjust at the the sun shines on the just and the unjust we understand that that's life itself but how do we get through those things when life seems to be unfair can I use you, Bob, as an illustration? A uh, 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 aerosol can blew up in his face. I said, man, what happened to you? You don't see his face, man. His face is burned. And he let me know that what had happened. But understand something. Then why isn't he? God was right there. When that thing blew up, the Lord was right there. And we say, praise the name of the Lord. But there's other people... And they're born again Christians and, 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 and strong in the Lord that could have been standing there and maybe that didn't happen to them. But understand this one thing, that in all things we give thanks. Now in, in, in Bob's case, we give thanks that he wasn't hurt because the power of God was working in him. But here's my point, even if he got hurt, it doesn't mean that the power of God wasn't working in him. What's the power of God? It's when we demonstrate the power of God. Do you demonstrate the power of God in your life? I like what Sherry said. Sherry just looked at the doctors and here's what she said. I'm just not ready to die. When they give you 3 weeks at one point and 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 she just said to him, "I'm not ready to die." Then you don't you might not get that, but I thought that was pretty good. I'm just not ready to die. Okay. You know, hey, Sherry, we're going to send you to a nursing home. We're going to put you on hospice. Isn't that right? That's right. And she says, well, I'm not ready to die. They don't know what to say. So then her the head guy comes in from Mosaic, which used to be her doctor, and said, Sherry, do you want to go home? Yeah, yeah, I want to go home. Okay, go home. I'm not ready to die. You no, you dictate some things in your life. Speak to those things. Do you understand that you're not mere men? You operate in the, dim, you operate in the power of God. That your faith should not rest on men's words. But on, and, and not on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. Now, she's going to bring up something here. Hey, would you bring up Isaiah 64.4? I'm going to show you this. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither hath the eye seen, O God, besides thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. For I hath not seen. And this is pretty interesting. Now, if you have your Bibles, go with me. I'm going to cut through this thing. Well, let, me, let me read verse 7, and, and it says, But we speak of God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. So it's a mystery. 8, verse 8, The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they understood it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. It's the interesting thing. If they had to understand these words, they would have never suffered. They would have never crucified Christ. Why did the devil have him crucified? Because he thought that was going to put an end to it. Not knowing the whole scheme of the things, but he'd be crucified. Because see, the cross was before the foundation of the world. The cross didn't happen 2,000 years ago. It happened before the foundation of the world was ever, made, ever framed. The cross did. And so so what takes place? So all the devil's doing is just is just completing the the, the prophecies of God that Isaiah wrote that different ones wrote about Christ. And so all Paul's saying here, he's saying, listen, if they had have understood the mysteries, he said they would have never suffered the Christ to be crucified. You think the devil would have crucified Christ or had him crucified if he knew that your resurrection was going to come through that? Do you think that the devil would have ever had him crucified if he knew through that you're going to be healed? Or do you think he would have ever have him crucified if he knew that he was going to be delivered from drugs, from any addiction, or or any demonic spirit that grabbed a hold of you? Do you think that he would have had the Christ crucified if he knew there was a resurrection day coming in the spirit and in the physical self of a person that they're going to go to heaven? You think that the devil would have had him crucified? Do you think that the Pharisees, the kings of this earth, would have ever had him crucified? Understand this one thing, no. They wouldn't have. And why? Because listen, they had ears to hear, but they couldn't hear. They had eyes to see, but they couldn't see. They, they just couldn't perceive the writings of Isaiah about the Christ in, in, in Isaiah chapter 6, in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah chapter 53, Isaiah chapter 55, when he's talking about the Lord. They just didn't have, they couldn't see it. They couldn't hear it. They didn't want to know it. They didn't want to give up their stuff. You know what? They wanted a king to come in there that was going to rule with the rod of iron. Well, their king, Jesus, he is going to rule with the rod of iron, but not then, because he wanted to bring men to repentance that they might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ so that they might be with him in glory forever. So he uses the word mystery. He said it's been a mystery to them in the past ages. Why? Because they couldn't see it. They couldn't hear it. Their eyes were blinded and their ears were dull. They couldn't hear. Understand something. The church is almost that bad today. It can't hear. It can't see. But listen to what Paul says. He said, if they had have only known, he said this. He said, if they had have only understood, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Look what he says. But just as it is written, things which I hath not seen nor ear has heard, and which have not entered the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. Watch verse 10. For to us, God revealed them. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. Isn't that amazing, Bruce? But to us? Why us? Because we're born Again! We're of the family of God. We're filled with His Spirit. And understand something, there's nothing going to be hid from the body of Christ. My head is not going to hide anything from my body. And my body is going to get to do everything that my head says. Understand something, God operates the same way. And so what I have not seen nor ear heard, or neither hath it entered into the heart of man uh, uh, to reveal to them the things that uh, God has given them. Listen to what he says. He says, but to us, he he has revealed those things. What? The things of Christ. He's revealed them. What are the things of Christ? Salvation. Healing. Deliverance. Resurrection. What else? Be able to walk when we're suffering. To go forward and not go backward. The mysteries of the rapture. Paul has several mysteries. One mystery is Christ in us, the hope of glory. Then he has the mystery of the rapture. He has the mystery of the resurrection. Then he has the mystery of the church. There's seven mysteries that Paul talks about. And you know what a mystery is? It's always been there, but nobody's understood it. It's always been there. Paul said it's right there, but they didn't have eyes to see nor ears to hear. And it hasn't been revealed to them. Why? Because they didn't want it revealed to them. Did people know Jesus when he came? Yeah. There were, a lot of, there were many Jews that knew who Jesus was, Messiah. And it's an interesting thing about the, first, the early church. The early, the early church was comprised mainly of Jewish people. On the day of Pentecost, it was Jews that came to the Lord. 3,000 that, that, 3, that day and the next day, 5,000 came to know the Lord. That's an amazing thing. It wasn't until the 10th chapter of the book of Acts that the Gentiles got to come in. That's an amazing thing. And because because the the apostles and different people treated Paul the way they treated him, he took his message of the cross to the Gentiles. And why did he take his message to the Gentiles? Because God said, I'm going to make you an apostle to the Gentiles. And here's what I'm going to do, Paul. I'm going to take out the wild olive, I mean the, the, the uh Natural olive branch, and then I'm going to graft in the wild olive branch. The wild olive branch is the Gentile, by the way. He said, I'm going to graft them in so that the Jews might become jealous of me and come back to me. The only reason why we're saved and God loves us is to bring back the Israelites to the Lord Jesus Christ, who are his chosen people. But guess what he did for us? He said, okay, he said, but I'm going to make you a church. He said, I'm going to make you the bride of Christ. We're the bride of Christ. That's an amazing thing. Now, I know that some men would withhold from their bride, but none of them here would. I know that you wouldn't. So listen to this. He says, "For for for of the old they have not heard nor perceived by ear, neither has an eye seen what God does, okay, on behalf of those who love him. It's an amazing thing of what God's doing. So let me, let me conclude with this. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit. Now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God that we might know the things, the things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts and spiritual words. Now watch this. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. Okay. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Now, I want you to to pay attention to me on this conclusion. He says, no man knows himself. I do not know you like you know yourself. I don't know you. You don't know me like I know myself. But every person in here knows themselves. We know our strengths and we know our weaknesses. We know what God approves of and what He doesn't approve of. We know those things. We know how we operate when we're under stress. We know how we operate when we're in different places. We know how we, we operate. No one knows you like you know you. But God knows everything about you. You know everything about you. God knows everything about you. As far as men are concerned. Listen to what he says. He says, now you are limited, but God is not limited with anything. And so what's he going to do? He's going to search your spirit through his spirit, the depths of him. Does everybody understand that? So your spirit, he's going to search your spirit through his spirit, and he's going to show you the depths of who he is his spirit you're not going to be able to comprehend your spirit can't do that but the spirit who is alive in you can did you ever just know something but you couldn't articulate it you ever just know but you can't you can't get anybody to understand it like i'm doing right now i'm trying to get you to understand but i can't okay see the spirit knows who i am He's going to articulate in me how to change. And He is you too. So the Spirit is going to search my spirit and teach my spirit the deep things of God. And how many of us want to know the deep things of God? I'll tell you this, how are you are going to know? Christ and Him crucified. I don't know anything, Paul says. I am determined not to know anything but Christ and Him crucified. Because Christ and Him crucified is the resurrection. And that right there is the sum of everything that God's going to do for us. Can God heal my wife? Yes, He can. Will He heal my wife? Yes, He will. Can God heal you? Yes, He can. Will He heal you? I don't know how you're going to walk in Him. Some of you see faith Like, superstition but it's not. Some of you have the gift of faith, that you don't operate in. Some of you have the gift of wisdom, you don't operate in it. Some of you have the gift of knowledge, you don't operate in it. Some of you have a gift of tongues, you're afraid to operate in. Some of you have the gift of interpretation. Some of you have the gift of faith. It's an amazing thing, these gifts. Do you walk in You know what your gift is. Somebody comes to me and says, I don't know what my gift is. Oh yeah, you, Everybody knows what their gift is. Anybody here that doesn't know your gift, come and ask me, I'll tell you. And if I tell you, then you're going to start walking in it. Here's what you're going to say to me. Well, I don't think that's it. Well, if you don't know, how do you know that I'm wrong? You're going to come and say, Pastor, tell me what my gift is. I'm going to tell you, I don't really think that's it you can going to come up and Claude's going to come up and he's going to say, what's my gift, Pastor? I'm going to say tongues, interpretation. Oh, I don't know, Pastor. I haven't had a leading. I'm just using you. I'm throwing you under the bus. He's not saying that. Okay, He's, he's used to me. I, I, I threw Henry under the bus last week, so I'm going to leave him alone this week. But you know that you're going to do that, your gift. Pastor, what's my gift? I'm going to tell you, and you're going to say, I don't really think so. I'm going to say, yeah, that's your gift. Now walk in it. You probably won't come back. I'm determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified, which is the whole scope of everything. Because here's what they take away. Let's stand this morning. Here's what they take away. They taken away the power of God out of our churches. Then many of them had taken the blood away. We don't. You know, we don't have very many songs anymore. Would you take that over there, please? Hey, we don't have many songs anymore. You know, I like Harold's selection of songs, and I like your selection. Because here, here's what I don't... You know, a lot of the songs now that they sing in church, you can sing to your girlfriend or your boyfriend. Because they're, they're, we don't sing about the blood anymore. We don't sing about the cross. And very few songs now put the name of Jesus in them. We talk about God, but the Muslim can go along with us on that because... As far as he's concerned, Allah is God. So we can talk about God. But watch these new songs that we're singing. And they don't have the blood. They don't have the cross. They don't have Jesus. So we worship who? We are to worship the Lord. We are to worship Jesus. The blood is important, people. Without the shed blood of Jesus, you cannot be saved. And without the cross, there is no gospel. Without the blood. And the name of Jesus is so important and so powerful that the devil trembles when he hears the name. Especially when you look at the enemy, the devil, and say, In the name of Jesus, I command you to leave. He hates that. Paul said, I don't know anything. And he said, I, I'm not going to come to you with persuasive words, but I'm going to come to you in demonstration of the Spirit. And what is that? Jesus Christ and the cross, Him crucified. Why crucified? Because listen, he had to die. Is it gory? Absolutely, it's a horrible story. But it's such a horrible story, there's so much beauty in it. Does that make sense? Because of the beauty of the cross. They beat him beyond recognition. They they hit him so many times, 39 times. They didn't do 40 because 40 would have killed him. And they wanted him to die in torment. So I've, I've read some things about, it says that, that they ripped, actually ripped the skin and the muscles off his back. And you can see his ribcage in the back. They beat his face until you was not able to recognize him. They pulled out his beard. They spit on him. They placed a crown of thorns on him and then took reeds and pushed them down into his skull. And all the way down the road of Golgotha, they beat him. Then they put a timber on his back that was too much of a load for him to carry. And he's already bleeding. He started to bleed out in the garden. He 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 started to bleed out in the garden. It teaches us that. And then they put a timber on his back, and that timber on his back was so heavy that he fell underneath of it. I love this part. And there was an old sinner that just came to watch it. Just came to watch. That's why I like people to come to church. You want to come to church to watch? Then come to church to watch. They this this old sinner his name was Simon of Cyrene he was a Cyrenian and the roman soldier made that old boy help jesus with the cross he didn't want to but he made him and so jesus partners up with the sinner do you ever realize that to get that cross to calvary So he gets that beam to Calvary with the help of Simon, a sinner. And then a Roman soldier places him on that cross. And Jesus said, if I be lifted up, then I will draw all men to me. If I be lifted up. He couldn't do it himself. So men had to lift him up. Who lifted him up? The Roman soldiers. Lifted him up. The very ones who are crucifying him are the very ones who are lifting Him up. The very one He is dying for is the very one who is helping Him get to the cross. It's an amazing story if you look at it. Isn't it amazing that Jesus didn't partner up with the Pharisee or the Sadducee or the Sanhedrin? He partnered up with the sinner. And I think it probably was that Roman soldier that lifted Him up. And said, surely this is the Son of God. And Paul said, that's what I know. I know that cross. I know that blood that was shed. He said, I know that. And He said, I'm not going to preach anything to you but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Listen, today you can be saved. Today you can be healed. Today you can be delivered. Today you can go from the old to the new in an instant of time. Today your sins can be forgiven and never remembered anymore. Today. Listen to me, church. You are not mere people. But you are a prophetic people that is filled with the Holy Ghost of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when I say prophetic, here's what I'm saying. If you will just open your mouth, God will put a prophecy in in your mouth like you can't believe. The worst thing that we can do is stay quiet. The worst thing that a citizen of this nation can do is stay quiet as a corrupted government continues to do what they do. That's the worst thing that you can do is stay quiet. In the kingdom of God, the worst thing that you can do is stay quiet. Listen to me. God would rather have you make a mistake, man, than stay quiet. There's times when I go to pray for people and God says, not now. Most of the time I back up when He says, not now. But there's times when I go to pray for somebody and the Lord says, not now, and I do it anyway. And instantly I know that I shouldn't have did it, but it's it's not a foul to where He's just going to bring some kind of disaster to me. Listen to me. What do you want? What do you need? Listen. You are a preacher. And if you would look at your feet, they're beautiful. Why are your feet beautiful? Because that's the transportation that is going to get you to those who are lost. How beautiful are the feet. Now, Christy over there works on feet. She's going to say, "Uh uh-uh. Feet are ugly. So why does he say how beautiful? Because they're the transportation.